favorite authors, friends, and guests explore the simpler side of life. Here's your host, Amish fiction author, Tracy Fertikowski. there. Welcome to another episode of Buggy Talk. I'm your host, Tracy Fredikowski. Each week, I'll bring you the story behind the stories along with the storytellers. This week, we're mixing it up a bit, and I have Deborah Torres here with me, and we're going to be chatting about our latest release, An Amish Christmas at the Apple Blossom Inn. Hello there, Deborah. How are you this morning? Hi, Tracy. I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you so much for coming on with me to um, share our latest release. More than that, I am so thankful that you agreed to do this book with me, and we really had a good time doing it. And um, before we get into really talking about the book, let's sort of share with our listeners a little bit about our writing career. Is that okay with you? That sounds great. All righty. It's all right with you. We're just going to go back and forth a little bit so we each can give some insight. So how about you start? Okay, Tracy, that sounds really good. How do you research your books? Most times I love to visit Amish country. And like many of you listeners already know, I grew up in northwestern Pennsylvania and I often visit that area in the Amish in uh, New Wilmington. But for this particular book, a couple years ago, I wrote a story called Love Blooms at the Apple Blossom Inn. And in New Wilmington in northwestern Pennsylvania, there is a bed and breakfast inn that I went and stayed at. And I had so much fun just sitting in my room. It was a cold, blustery winter day. And I just sat in my beautiful room um, and the inn was decorated for Christmas. And I just wrote all of the things that I saw and I smelled and the the guests that were there, the woman that owned the inn, even though the character in our Christmas story is Mrs. Sorensen. She does not replicate the owner of that inn, the inn there in northwestern Pennsylvania. Um, she was just a, a doll and, and a joy to spend time with. But typically, when I'm getting ready to write a story, I love to visit um, Amish country, and it just inspires me in great ways. That sounds so good. I know you and I have had a chance to visit Amish country together some, and it's it's always just an incredible time of going in the back roads and just, just observing the Amish and having just a great time together. It is. And, um, we do, we travel well together. Um, we have a good time together. We have become very good friends. So mm-hmm. we do, um, get a lot of inspiration from the places that we, that we travel. So, um, let me ask you a question. If you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? This was a great question. And as I was answering, I was thinking about it before our session today and I was writing down things. I was like, man, I just I've got so much to say. I need to be careful. But but yeah, I think the number one thing is don't quit. It's so easy to quit, especially in the beginning when you're like, OK, I've got like, you know, five Facebook followers and, you know, I've got to figure out so many things in marketing myself and I'm getting really, really small um, amounts of people to buy my books at the beginning. And it's so easy to quit. You know, it's not worth it. It's a lot of work. I'm never going to get anywhere. But don't listen to those lies. If if it is God's will for you to be a writer and you feel like this is God's dream for you, keep going and God will open up doors for you as you go. I think he blesses it when we we take those steps in faith. So don't quit. 
Oh, that was great. And, you know, I believe and I strongly believe that if we put our career, no matter what it is, or mm-hmm. our desires, or our aspirations, if we put them in God's hands and just mm-hmm. and give it over to him and mm-hmm. say, Lord, just show me what you want me to do. If you want if you want me to do this, give me the words to put on paper or if you want this book to succeed, it's up to you. It's not my doing. I am the vessel for those words. And, you know, and I will I will work hard at it. But really, it's all about putting it in his hands and in his control. Don't you think? I, I believe that. I believe that 100 percent. I do. I do. So I've got another question for you. OK, um, what are common traps for aspiring writers. I absolutely love answering this question because I have a lot of um, people who would love to write a book and they just get so overwhelmed with all the pieces to it. You know, mm-hmm. whether they decide to go down the traditionally published avenue or they, they tend to want to go down maybe to become an indie author, they get overwhelmed with that there are so many steps, but really it's just the very first thing is just get the words on paper. You know, that's, that's the clue. Everything else will fall into a place. You'll find Facebook groups to follow. You'll find other authors that will mentor you. I love the authoring community because they are Mm -hmm. so willing to share what works, what doesn't work. And, and there are so many people, even online that give, uh, freely give their time to help inspiring authors. But the one thing I've learned in the last, you know, I've been writing blog content for about 12 years, but I've been faithfully writing Amish fiction for five. So Mm -hmm. out of all of those years, the one thing that I have learned in writing is don't try to do everything. Find Mm -hmm. just a few things, but do those few things well. And those that follow me know that I am not all over on social media. I am pretty heavily in Facebook, I do put some Instagram posts out there, but my main goal is this podcast, mm-hmm. my Facebook private group and my, and my regular Facebook page, and then my writing. So I do three mm-hmm. things and I try to do those three things good and I don't follow the next trend. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't get overwhelmed with, oh my goodness, this author's doing that and she has really good success there. Maybe I should do that. No, no, that's not, not, that's not the way I have found, um, success. I find two or three things, mm-hmm. but I do those two or three things very, very well. Whether it's success in somebody else's eyes, I'm not sure, but it's success in my eyes. If mm-hmm. I am writing God's word the way he wants me to write it or telling a story that is very faith based, then I know that I'm doing what God is asking me to do. If I'm mentoring to a small group on Facebook and those people look forward to what I'm posting and they interact, that's success to me. That means that, you know, I have a voice that I can share with somebody else. So knowing with me answering that, one of the questions I had for you, Deborah, is Mm -hmm. what does success mean to you? If you had to define success, how would you define it? Yeah. So there's a lot of, I think a lot of elements to that and a lot of things that kind of go through a writer's mind. I think, you know, part of us, you know, success means that we're selling books, you know, that we're seeing those numbers rise and, you know, we're so excited because it means that people are loving our stories and, and being involved in them, and especially when you write a series and you see that, wow, they, they bought the first one and the second one, and now they're buying the third one. You know, it's 
they're engaged and they're connected. And, and I think that's part of success. But I think what you said, Tracy, too, is another part is just being where God wants you to be. I, so many times I'm like, you know, is this right? Is this right? Because maybe I'm supposed to be as a Christian, maybe I'm supposed to be, you know, a, a working, you know, doing a Bible study or, you know, working with kids in the church or, you know, I'm, is it selfish that I'm wanting to write? And, you know, we've talked about this, Tracy, that writing for us is a ministry too. Um, it's a, we call it our writing ministry. And there are so many times, whether it's through our words, because we're bringing the gospel into these stories, or whether it's through those Facebook groups and those people who reach out to us. Yeah, I had a woman reach out to me on Facebook Messenger. She's one of my readers. She's in all my groups. And she said, I just, I know that you are a praying woman and I need prayer right now. And she was just, she, you know, that's desperate. And I don't, you know, there's, there's people that God just puts in your life through all of this that, you can just really personally minister to. And so that's success for me too. And the third thing is, like you said, is the author community. Growing as an author along with other authors, that's success too, because it's like you're on a team. You know, you're being built up, you're building each other up and, you know, somebody goes through a rough day and maybe you've already gone through that. So you're there to help them or somebody is clueless about this one thing when you've already learned it, you know, come on, I'll show you. And just kind of, I get that picture of, you know, just a bunch of people walking up a mountain, Tracy, and, and people bending down and pulling the next person up, you know, kind of thing. So I think that's part of this success too. And I think that creates just a well-rounded uh, heart in us. You know, yeah, we want to sell books, but we also minister and we want to gain friendships and build friendships and help other people. And it's, it's, it's just this whole ball game sort of thing, whole globe and uh, just a completeness. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, it doesn't matter to me whether we sell millions of books. What matters to me is does somebody learn something from the stories mm-hmm. they read? Do they mm-hmm. see their path to salvation through some of the stories that I write? I always say to everyone that God doesn't care how we get to heaven, mm-hmm. but he does um, care about how many people we take with us. Mm. So that is that that's something that I think about every day when I sit down mm. to write, you know, and my uh, stories aren't necessarily all white picket fence live happily ever after. You know, my stories are and we and we share this for some reason. And I don't know how it happened. But Deborah, you and I both write real, raw, relatable mm-hmm stories Mm -hmm. that people can relate to because you know what the Amish are just like us Mm -hmm. they are just like us they struggle with the same things that we struggle with so I love writing about that but yeah well I just can I interject for just absolutely something else came in mind about success I had a a a friend who I talked to about Jesus recently and I shared my faith with her and um you know, she was just like, oh, you know, that's great. And she she kind of received what I said. But, um, you know, I don't know. I, it, maybe it's first step for her, whatever. But but anyway, I talked with her. I shared my faith with her. So the next time I saw her, I felt like I was supposed to give her something. So I bought a devotional for her that I has meant a lot to me. So I put it in a bag. And I also put one of my books in my ba- in a bag. And I just gave them to her. I said, you know, take a look at this later. But these are just some things I gave I wanted to give to you. And so I let a couple weeks go past. And I'm thinking, is she reading the devotional? Is she growing in Christ? You know, and and I and I contact her. Maybe I let a couple weeks go past. And then I contact her and I said, hey, I said, um, have you started the devotional yet? And she said, no, she said, I haven't started yet. She said, but I'm 200 pages into your book. <laughs> and I thought, 
you know what? The gospel is in my book. So, okay, if you pick that for now, you know, I'm excited that you're there. And maybe that was her way. Maybe reading was her thing and she really needed a story. And so she's, if she's reading that story, she's getting Jesus. And I hope that one day she does choose the devotional as well. But I was, I was honored to be maybe that first step, second step, whatever in her, her walk and her journey. So it is interesting because people do turn to fiction. They certainly do. And what a better way to get her to question or to look at or maybe mm-hmm. explore. Okay. What was Deborah talking about here? Maybe mm-hmm. I need to look that up. You know, often I get messages, either emails or on Facebook and they'll say, I read so and so's book or I read mm-hmm. your book and it made me stop and think about my own salvation or it made mm-hmm. me stop and look up a scripture or it mm-hmm. made me stop and think, Ooh, Am I offering somebody forgiveness or am I being a light in somebody else's life? You know, I always encourage my followers in my group to be let Jesus shine through you because you know what? You may be the only light of Jesus somebody else Mm -hmm. may see. So Mm -hmm. that's a big responsibility God's given us, isn't it? It is. It is. It is. Well, thank you so much. I love sharing um, a little bit of our writing career and like most of our listeners know, Deborah and I are very good friends and we bounce a lot of things off of one another. And I have thoroughly enjoyed writing this book mm-hmm. with you. And I'm so happy that we get to launch it um, or we did launch it this month. Yes. And I hope our listeners enjoy it. So let's go ahead and talk about an Amish Christmas at the Apple Blossom Inn. Mm-hmm. So um, how about you start us off? Yeah. So uh, let me ask you this, Tracy. Um, where did you draw inspiration from for this story? Well, um, it actually came from something that I wrote a couple years ago. I wrote a small novella about a young woman whose mother had just died and she was left to raise her seven sisters. So there are eight Beeler girls and they are orphaned right before Christmas. So all I did in this little short novella and the, sh- the novella was called A Christmas Gift Worth Waiting For. And you can find it on my website. But um, anyway, it was a story about this young girl who was put in charge of raising her seven sisters. And she wasn't very old herself. She was only, I think in the story, she was only 19. So that is a big responsibility to raise your sisters after both of your parents have passed on. So anyway, mm-hmm. I wrote that novella and people wanted more of Amanda Beeler's story. Mm-hmm. So when when you and I started to talk about writing a book together, we decided that we would tell the rest of Amanda's story, but we would do it out of her her two younger sisters, Katie and Sadie Beeler. So Deborah, you took Sadie and I took Katie. We created personas. We created personalities for these two girls. And then we told the same story, but through their eyes. So really the inspiration came from a novella that I wrote a couple years ago and it turned out wonderful, didn't it? Oh my goodness. It was, it's so good. I loved writing Sadie and learning about her and watching her evolve in the story. Like who's this person? And she just, popped out of into every scene and yeah and then learning about Katie and how you wrote her as well and how they related to each other and it was just so much fun 
It was. So did you, you know, we didn't really talk about this other than us just chatting back and forth Mm -hmm. together, but did you do any other research before we started Mm -hmm. to write this book? Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely had to go back to your novella and really, really study it because those were the people, you know, that would be uh, influencing our stories and in our stories. So that really helped to actually have that, um, that world sort of already created. So that was helpful. Um, I had to learn more about Willow Springs and all the roads and things that you, you, you've created and, and I need to do this, but you've actually created a, a map. And so the map was helpful and just knowing those things. So I had to incorporate that and just things about the end. But one thing that I had to do too was learn about these recipes because in my book and Sadie's story, there are two key recipes that are involved and both of them are very, very complex recipes. But one is a German Christmas stolen that uh, Sadie writes. It's actually a hundred year old secret recipe that Mrs. Sorensen, the the owner of the Apple Blossom Inn has kept in her family for a hundred years, but she's kept it secret. Um, I kind of created a, a little story about that, that um, this Christmas stolen that, that they make at the inn with the secret recipe is something that people come in from miles around at Christmas time and they, and everybody asks for the recipe and she never gives it out because it's secret. But uh, there is a crazy mishap that happens with that recipe, but, but learning about Christmas stolen, I didn't even know what that was. And I sort of brought that in and, and learned all about it and read all about it and was able to incorporate parts of that into the story. That was fun too. It certainly was. So, Tracy, let me ask the next question. Uh, What is the future for the characters? Will there be a sequel? Ooh, I don't know, Deborah. Will there be a secret? I mean, will there be a sequel? (laughs) A secret. There'll be a secret, too, probably. (laughs) Yeah, the secret is, will there be a sequel? (laughs) No, really. You know, Deborah and I have toyed around with the idea of continuing the Apple Blossom Inn series. And I am certain that at one point we will bring these characters back to life because, you know, we've sort of left Sadie and Katie hanging and they, you know, they're too young to get married. They're, you know, they're, um, they're not old enough to really step out on their own yet. So, but we do have a love interest for both of them. So who knows what maybe in the future for Sadie and Katie uh, Beeler, Katie and Sadie Beeler. But we do know that we have merged our two worlds. And um, Deborah, why don't you tell us a little bit about or tell, tell our listeners a little bit about our two worlds and how we're going to merge them? Yeah, well, we're already doing it. It's kind of so cool how it's happening. But uh, in our books, our, our series that we're writing individually, we are starting to merge our worlds as well. But we also did it in the Apple Blossom Inn. Uh, Tracy writes about Willow Springs, uh, an Amish community in northwestern Pennsylvania. And I write about Willow Brook, an Amish community in northwestern Pennsylvania. And we have decided that our two Amish districts are 10 miles apart. So since they are 10 miles apart, our characters uh, kind of kind of engage with each other um, in the Amish Christmas at the Apple Blossom Inn. Sadie's love interest lives in Willowbrook. And so and there's also some history of uh, one of the recipes in the book that deal with Willowbrook as well. And then in the end of the book, I bring some characters in my Willowbrook series into uh, the Amish Christmas at the Apple Blossom Inn. Uh, and Tracy has been using uh, my characters or, or having some of her characters have um, 
come from Willowbrook as well. So anyway, yeah, they're emerging. Uh, and the book I'm writing right now, currently, it was funny. I was telling Tracy one morning, I think I texted her and I said, um, Hey, do your, does the bakery in Willow Springs have chairs? Because my characters had breakfast there this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just funny because as as I was writing, I was like, they need a place to go. There's a bakery in Willow Springs. So they take their buggy to Willow Springs and they go in and they have fry pies and they sit and have a wonderful chat. So it was just so funny because Tracy was like, yes, they do. There are chairs there. And I said, well, my characters already knew that <laughs> they had breakfast there this morning. So yeah, that was, that was, yeah, we do. And we have, we have made the defining landmark as Willow Creek. And I talk about Willow Creek in all of my stories and the covered bridge there. So Willow Brook Mm -hmm. and Willow Springs are divided by Willow Creek. And you are going to see that happen in our stories um, Mm -hmm. over the years because, you know, Deborah and I just get along so well together and it just is a wonderful mesh of worlds. And, you know, let me tell you, we didn't even realize each other had done that. You know, when Deborah and I first met, we met because I think you reached out to me and asked me maybe something about Northwestern Pennsylvania without even realizing you had you, you used to live up that in that area as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So that's why you decided to write from Northwestern Pennsylvania. Yeah. And I was born there. And then we just sort of kept talking back and forth. And you wrote your first book without even realizing that my my town was Willow Springs. You named mm-hmm. your town Willow Brook. Mm-hmm. And it just like, I think you apologized to me. I, did. I, I, I don't, I didn't mean to do that. And, and tell them, go ahead and tell our, our listeners that story. Yeah. So I, um, I live in central Virginia and whenever our family moved here, we had to stay in an apartment and we actually loved the apartment complex and stayed there for seven years, but the apartment complex was named Willowbrook. And so when I was writing my Amish book, I was like, Hmm, what would be the name of their district or their community? I was like, Willowbrook just sounds so, you know, I don't know, country and just maybe Amish country kind of sound. And I was like, that'll be perfect. And so it was funny because people who know me, they're like, mm-hmm, Willowbrook, I know where you got that, you know. So, yeah. So whenever I started writing that Tracy and I became friends, I was like looking at her and I was like, oh, boy, I hope she doesn't feel like I was like, hmm, she's Willow Springs. So I'm going to do Willowbrook. Um, I said, Tracy, no, I didn't do that. I said it was just because I probably should even sent you a picture of the sign or something. But um, nah. But anyway, yes, I was just writing and it was just perfect. And the more and more we talk and uh, become friends and merge our worlds. It's like, you know, it's just God's hand and we're able to see that now. It certainly was. And I absolutely love it. It was, I just love it. So, so Deborah, what do you hope our readers take away from our book? So I think that that one of the things I, I hope they take away is just the, the experience of family bonds and how deep those go regardless of what happens, regardless of the mistakes we make, that those family bonds run deep and there's still that love there, even though, you know, someone's mad at someone for making a big blunder that wrecked everything. There's still that core love. There's that love that uh, that says you are will always be my sister and I will always love you. Uh, there's one scene in my book and I, it was, I don't know, it just touches me to think about it now, but Sadie comes home and she comes home early from work and there's a reason for that. And she has made a huge blunder. And the family, Amanda, the, the Beeler family is relying on Sadie, um, big time for her, for her working at the end. So anyway, she's made a big blunder and she meets Amanda at the door and Amanda looks at her face and she knows that something really bad has happened. 
the sisters, you know, Amanda could have just, you know, hated her and walked away. But Amanda sits down on the porch swing and just starts, oh, she sits down on the porch swing, kind of defeated, but she doesn't hate her and she doesn't show that. And then Sadie sits down on the swing and she, she pushes her leg on the, you know, the concrete porch floor and gets them to start swinging. And the sisters are just swinging together, you know, in this, this moment of deep despair, but that core love and forgiveness is there. Perfect. So we're going to give you a little treat and we're going to read both our first page and a little more probably of Katie's story and Sadie's story. But let me set the stage so you all understand where we're coming from. So both sisters are at their mother's funeral. So we are going to read and we've set each one of the individual stories at the same place in time. So Deborah started Sadie's story at her mother's funeral and I started it at Katie or I've started Katie's story at her mother's funeral. Deborah, would you like to start? Sure. Thanks, Tracy. I'll go ahead. So this is chapter one, Sadie's story. The steady drum of ice pellets on my black umbrella matched the beat of my broken heart. As ma'am was lowered into the frozen ground, fear wrapped its tendrils around my insides and my breathing grew shallow. I waited until a gap formed between the mourners gathered at the Willow Springs graveyard, big enough for someone my size to slip through. My body tensed, ready to bolt, when my sister Katie slipped her hand into mine and held tight. Oh, no, you don't. I stared straight ahead as the torment raged inside me. Three years earlier, we buried Dad after he fell to his death, climbing our silo, an accident that never should have happened. I was there that day, and its memories made me squirm. My breath came out in nervous puffs that freezing at November afternoon. I told him to be careful several times. Dad, why can't we do this another day? I was 14, well accustomed to northwestern Pennsylvania's icy winds, but Dad just drew in his lips as his eyes followed the iron rungs all the way to the top. Quit your worrying over me, doctor. The hole in the silo's roof won't fix itself, ain't? But couldn't we wait for a warmer day? My teeth had chattered despite my thick black coat, one that's not so cold. Dat's wool cap shook left and right as his long strides took him into the barn to fetch the tools that he would need to mend the broken roofing panel 60 feet up. It is heart-wrenching when you when you read a story that um, is so emotional, and you did a great job of um, setting the scene. So let me go ahead and now switch mm-hmm. gears a little bit, and this is Katie's story. So they're at the same place. They're at their mother's funeral. And this is what Katie feels and sees. So this is chapter one of Katie. Katie Beeler held tight to her older sister's Sadie's hand and prayed, Oh Lord, please tell me this isn't happening again. Dat and now ma'am, why Lord, why? If only it wasn't so cold, death sting wouldn't hurt so bad. The thought of ma'am lying in that pine box hurts my heart. She hated winter so. Katie sucked in a long breath as four men picked up her ma'am's simple coffin and let it settle in its final resting place. Sadie tried to wiggle free from her grasp, but she held firm. Lord, I know her earthly body is all that's being lowered into the ground, and I should be comforted knowing that her heavenly body is alive and well at your feet. 
but it's just too hard to handle. My only piece is she isn't struggling to breathe, and that makes this bearable. But it doesn't. You took her from us, but I don't understand why. What good will come from leaving us motherless? I'm sure you have a plan, but I'm at a loss knowing what that might be. A song echoed in the air in a long and steady stream, reminding her she wasn't alone in her goodbye. Lord, my faith has always been so strong, and I wouldn't think twice about questioning your will. But now what? What do you expect us to do now? What about the little ones? Will they remember the sound of her voice or the tenderness of her touch? I worry as they grow, the image of ma'am's face will fade and eventually be lost to them forever. So that was from Katie's view. And it is a heart-wrenching beginning story. But um, as we take these girls through the emotion of losing both parents and being responsible um, older sisters to take care of all of their younger sisters, we do find some joy that you can only find in Christmas. Don't you agree, Deborah? Mm-hmm. I do. It's, it is a little heavy in the beginning, but it is a feel-good Christmas cozy read. I agree with you. It is. So, Deborah, I hope that the, our listeners go and pick up a copy of An Amish Christmas at Apple Blossom Inn. And how about we tell them what we're working on now? What are you particularly working on at this moment? Sure. So I am finishing up my Willowbrook Secrets of the Pen series, uh, where I have my main character, Johanna Yoder, as a writer. And um, she, I just love Johanna. But anyway, she's going through a lot right now. And um, yeah, so I wrote uh, Forbidden Gift, Forbidden Truth. And this is my third book, Forbidden Love. As this book finishes out, then um, it is my um, my thought to go ahead and I'm doing sort of a, a, a spinoff uh, series from this one. And it will be called the Amish Kitchen Garden series. And actually, the main character of the Amish Kitchen Garden series, you'll meet her in the Apple Blossom in the Amish um, Christmas at the Apple Blossom Inn book. Her name is Ivy Bish. So when you read the book, look for Ivy Bish and you'll see her later on in, in that future series that I'll write. Oh, and I'm looking forward to reading it as well. Uh, Deborah and I read each other's work and um, I love being one of the very first people <laughs> to mm-hmm. read um, what you've come up with. And I myself am working on the Amish Women of Lawrence County. I am writing Barbara's story now and it will launch in late March of next year. So I am deep in writing that. And if you haven't started the Amish Women of Lawrence County yet, you can start with Emma's story. Now they are, you can read them standalone, but it is really neat if you start with Emma's story. Then you get a real picture of what these adult young women have to go through to find um, their faith in God. So, um, Deborah, how about we, uh, do you have any messages that you'd like to add um, or say to our readers before we get ready to sign off? Um, I just was thinking about uh, this, about Christmas books at Christmas time and just how fun it is to actually read a book that sort of has a Christmas theme, sort of gets you in the holiday spirit. And I remember one time I was feeling that way that I needed an Amish Christmas book. And I went, uh, my uh, family and I went on a trip and I made an important uh, note to go to Barnes and Noble and find that Amish Christmas book that would just kind of help me, you know, just sort of. Um, just be part, another part of the season. And so um, if that's you, if you're a reader of Amish fiction and you just really want an, uh, a cozy Amish read that kind of gets you into the holiday spirit, I think this book you would love. Uh, just, uh, just you would really, really enjoy this Christmas season. 
I can't agree with you more. And I just want to thank our listeners. You know, a lot of Deborah's readers are my readers and a lot of my mm-hmm. readers are Deborah's readers. So they sort of, we sort of cross back and forth and we have a group of people in both of our private, private Facebook groups have be, that have become like friends to us. Mm-hmm. And I am just so thankful. So if you want to get a, a closer look into Deborah's and my writing career and how we, you know, how we just do life and how we do life together, go look for us on Facebook um, and look for our private groups and just, you know, request to become a part of us. We would love to have you. Deborah, you know that I love to close out these podcasts with a silly question just Mm -hmm. to sort of lighten the the air a little bit. And I have come up with one for you. So are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. All right. And it is simple. But how about you tell us your favorite Christmas memory? I told uh, Tracy recently that one of my love, my love language, one of my one of my important parts is gifts. And (laughs) I don't know why, whenever you said my favorite Christmas memory, I just thought of when I was a little girl, and, you know, Christmas was just, uh, just such an incredible time. I don't know why, but my mother bought us so many gifts. My brother and I, we, when we came down to the Christmas tree, I mean, I was probably almost as tall as me and she piled them all on top of each other. You know, at that time, you know, kids gifts, you know, you can buy games and toys and stuff. So they're kind of bulky anyway, but just coming down to that Christmas tree and seeing those huge piles like mom. Wow. Um, those huge piles of gifts. I don't know if that's a favorite one or not, but that's the one that just popped in my head when you said it. I have a lot of fond memories of Christmas. We, you know, uh, we didn't have a lot growing up. Most kids mm-hmm. in our era didn't have a lot of extra, yeah. you know, their parents didn't have a lot of extra money, but my mom and dad always went above and beyond at mm-hmm. Christmas time. And, you know, my parents did not put up the Christmas tree before Christmas Eve, and we were not allowed to see it. We had to go to bed, oh. and my parents put the Christmas tree up after we were in bed, decorated oh. it the whole nine yards, oh. and then put all the Christmas presents under it. So Christmas was super special because that when we came downstairs Christmas morning, that was the first time we saw the Christmas tree. So those are some of the fondest memories that I have. Wow, that's a great tradition. Yeah. Well, I have a silly question for you. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> you ready? Okay, Tracy, let's say you woke up one day and you were an Amish fra at Christmas time. Craig was your mun. I'm not sure to say that right. A husband. And you have 16 kinner. What would be your favorite part? Oh, my goodness. 16 <laughs> kids. Um, I think making them uh Christmas breakfast. And let me tell you a little tradition with the Amish that go hand in hand with this, that most Amish children get one gift. And when they wake up Christmas morning, they don't have Christmas trees. They may have pine boughs. Um, some of my Amish friends do love Christmas poinsettias. So mm. that's about all they decorate and they also decorate with Christmas cards. They string Christmas cards from one corner of the room to the next at the ceiling. And they, they just fold those Christmas cards over a string. So throughout their home, you'll just say string from corner to corner to corner. And because the Amish 
communicate mostly by letters, they get hundreds of Christmas cards mm. from across the country from family that's moved away. But anyway, on Christmas morning, children typically get one present and that present is sat at their table Christmas morning. So Christmas breakfast is a big thing to them. Mm. So I think making breakfast and just sitting that present in front of my 16 children. Can you imagine the (laughs) size of the table they would need for 16 children? Oh my goodness. But yeah, that, that was really sweet. That was the perfect way to end our podcast. So that, thank you. Thank you again, Deborah, for writing mm-hmm. this book with me. Thank you for coming on board with the Buggy Talk podcast. And to all of you listeners, if you want to pick up a copy of An Amish Christmas at the Apple Blossom Inn, look for the link in the show notes of this episode that you can find on my website at tracysamishbooks.com or you can go to the buggytalkpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete list of some of your favorite Amish fiction authors and all the great books that they add to the Amish landscape. 